Hi, Asaf. Hi. I am here with Asaf Weisman. Asaf is a physiotherapist and a researcher based in uh, Tel Aviv University in Israel. And today we're going to talk about pain and the fact that according to Asaf, it is not a thing. Um, I'm just going to mention at the very start, if you want to follow us off on Twitter, it's at Asaf Clough. And he also has a website, painlosophy.wordpress.com. So, um, so Asaf, uh, why is pain not a thing? It's not a, it's not a thing, but it's, it's also not a nothing, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's important to make, uh, it's important to mention that. Um, well, first of all, let, let's think about it. Like pain is, is a word, yeah? Is a word that we use to communicate something that's going on in our inner world, in our body, okay? Um, now, we think like, we think that pain, like we, we treat it as, as a noun, but it actually isn't. It's like, it's a word we use for a lot of heterogeneous um, occurrences, sensory occurrences in our body. Like for example, one, one person has irradiating pain or shooting pain in his leg. It's like, uh, and, he, and if you start asking him, he will tell you it feels like tingling. It's, um, it's, it feels electrical. And um, another person can have like uh, a pain in his uh, shoulder which has nothing of this quality. It feels like throbbing and it feels like uh, there's pressure on the shoulder, yet we use the same word, but it's, it's a group of heterogeneous sensations that we are consciously experiencing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when I say pain is not a thing, I refer to the, uh, to the widespread tendency in the pain literature to uh, aggregate all those conditions and treat them as if they were one thing, one objective stuff, yeah. but it's not, okay? For example, low back pain, okay? If you start asking people how their low back pain feels, it will start getting a lot of different sensory, uh, um, uh, you will get, the, they, will, they will describe a lot of different sensory qualities. And we, we know today, like we have a lot of specialized nerves that can encode all different sensations. For example, like the 2021 Nobel Prize in Physiology went for the discovery of two, um, of two, uh, um, uh, uh, synapses like of nociceptors, TRPV and piezo, the one encodes um, heat or, or uh, uh, mechanical, and the, other, the one encodes heat and the other one encodes uh, mechanical pressure, okay? So we have since uh, Sherrington, okay, Charles Sherrington, the, the famous neurologist who, who first described the nociceptors in the early 1900s, we started discovering a lot of specialized nerves that encode those sensory uh, uh, qualities that people use when they describe pain, okay? When they use the word. 
But then again, they use the word for a lot of different sensory occurrences. And we, pain scientists or pain researchers, we, we somehow tend to aggregate them all under like one umbrella term, pain. Yeah. Well, we tend to treat them as one. Of course, humans also like, like laymen from the, they, they also use the, 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 the umbrella term pain to all those sensory occurrences that happen within their body. And I mean, but, not, not just that, even broader still, you can use pain to indicate like psychological suffering as well without any physical component. So yeah, the word pain is, um, yeah, it's, it's so broad that it's hard to know what you're, what are you It's really broad. It's not a thing. It's not one thing. You cannot start talking about, oh, uh, that, that's why I, I also have a problem with all the um, neuroimaging uh, studies oh. that take fMRI and say, oh, we studied people with pain and their pain uh, influences the brain and it turns from this into that and uh, the brain matter uh, uh, diminishes. If you start looking at those studies and you start like looking at, if you will, if you will look at the, the subjects that they're using, I don't know if, if, if it even stands to be able to, to, to make this, I don't think it's homogeneous populations or homogeneous complaints, okay? Yeah. Like, because like, if you ask someone, do you have back pain? He will say, yes, I have back pain. But if you start like really uh, um, sleuthing and, you know, you will, you will see that each person has a different quality of sensation, yes. which is another debate that is happening on social media, whether pain is a sensation or a perception. I'm totally in the sensation camp, okay? We have specialized sensory nerves, and we know that pain, that the experience of pain is associated with sensory qualities distinct sensory qualities. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold pain, sometimes it's a, a throbbing pain, which could be like a, like someone like could feel like someone is pushing pushing against you, which could okay, so I'm I'm in a sensation camp and I think that like there have been too many um, basic philosophical errors that have been done in the pain field and that are are still overlooked still going it's like it's it's interesting when you say about this pain as a sensation versus a perception you know um if you had asked me a few years ago i was fully on the pain as a perception kind of thing pain is an output of the brain pain and nociception are totally different things which is true um but you know that idea of the brain you know the brain deciding pain as a perceived threat to the tissues the pain that you feel is dependent on your brain's association of the level of threat that you're currently facing, all that kind of thing. Um, whereas somehow, some sometime in the past few years, um, I've started to just see that as really more of a, a kind of a story that we're we're telling ourselves. Um, yeah, so I, I think as time has gone by, I'm probably more with you on the on the sensation side of the fence without being able to explain very articulately why that is the case. <laughs> why, why, that, like, why that is the case is because you have to look at uh, the order of things, okay? And you have to look at them from, uh, from a scientific perspective and I take the evolutionary perspective. 
before there was a brain, we had nociceptors and we had the immune system. The brain is a much later addition. It's kind of superimposed on those systems. It is, it is there to aid those systems. It is not there to make decisions for them. That's the way I see it. If it's a much later addition, then you, you have to realize that if those systems have been reserved through evolution, then they're, um, I see it that the way I see it, evolution tells us that their job is a lot more important than what came later. Because if they survived through evolution so many, like so many years, and only later this box was added, then it is only there to, um, to, I think to stuff to make it better. Okay, so that, that is one perspective that you have to, to take to consider when you start thinking about the, the brain's role in pain. Okay, you could see it, I suppose, as the brain exists in service to the genes. Yes, the I'm there to help the genes keep going on. There, yeah. There's a very good paper that was published a few years ago uh, called the, the Blue Collar Brain. Okay, I like this hypo this hypothesis and this theory because for the first time like they like the, the people who wrote this paper said hey maybe the, the brain is not the commander in chief maybe it's just an overworked middle class worker who is swamped with information coming from the body okay very cool idea yeah and it makes sense evolutionarily because it came later okay it's in service of the organism. It's not. It's not. It's not their organism. Like modern science of pain has turned it into the organism. Like the brain decides. The brain thinks. The brain uh, makes decisions. But it doesn't make sense evolutionarily because it's a much later addition. So it might, So the blue collar brain uh, hypothesis makes a lot more sense. It's just an overworked, stressed out. Uh, middle-class worker with swamped information from the body and wanting information from the body with the with the aim of keeping the genes going exactly it's, yeah 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 it's just there to uh, you know like optimize yeah uh, survival <laughs> that's it yeah it's it's another addition it's a, it's another level of optimization but it's not it was not designed to be like the the, the be all, think all, do all. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, th that's the way I see it. Like it's great to look at things from just sort of turn it upside down and see it from okay. perspective. We're so used to, at least I am so used to thinking of the brain's kind of preeminent role in in our you know in in pain and in our experiences in general. And, and this is kind of a this is kind of a, a remnant a remnant of the the age of the brain that was uh, I think uh, I think Bill Clinton no, I think George Bush one of the Bushes uh, declared this is going to be the age of the brain when they they started using MRIs to study brains and stuff like that so it's kind of like a social thing like we tend to think oh science is going to crack the brain and we're going to understand everything so it's kind of like a social bias that we have towards the brain which i think is um, totally unmerited it's, it's, uh, it's not justified yeah, maybe. especially not especially not for understanding pain and and pain states yeah they, i call them pain states it's the, like states that the organism is experiencing pain 
yeah I, and i think like from reading your thoughts on twitter i think i first started noticing you maybe about a year ago or maybe more and um, but it was i, I can remember one of the first things i was really interested in was when you said or maybe i said at first something about pain being an epiphenomenon that wasn't doing anything this yeah. idea like this idea that basically pain is just the pain is not actually doing something the pain is just a a uh, it's a it's 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 a type of consciousness it's uh just is it ju yeah yeah the, the, pain, yeah pain cannot do anything like yeah like it like we have to think about it if it makes logical sense like those a lot of researchers they're saying oh pain is a signal to do this what is doing the signaling who is signaling to who it's 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 a part of you okay like we have to think about it like for example uh, um like uh, my friend dr john q gave me gave me a nice analogy he said well if you sit in a trial and you're being accused of murder and you're going to tell the judge i didn't kill the person it, it was my pain that killed him you have to start thinking about the situation like what can pain kill someone? No, it can't. Like it's a part of you. It's 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 a response. It's your response. It's a part of you. It cannot tell you anything. It cannot make you do anything. Um, it, it, I, it is just a part of you. Okay. I sometimes wonder if my interest in all this. I'm quite a fan of. Like, okay, I'm I'm going a bit off topic here, but essentially sci-fi and robots um, is one of the things I'm kind of like to think about and watch and that sort of thing, and. Um, I mean, yeah, have you ever seen that movie Ex Machina? I think about that movie a lot. You should watch it if you've never seen it. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, in the Matrix, they have uh, Deus Ex Machina, you know, in the Matrix uh, movies. That's where the, the title of the movie came from. It's a fantastic movie um, by Alex Garland. You should watch it if you ever um, get the chance. But um, why was I bringing this up? It was because, yeah. So I have had this thought uh, before, and I've heard other people talk about it. Uh, I can't remember when. I can't give any references here. But basically this idea that if you were an organism who didn't have subjective experience, so let's say me and you sitting here, let's say it wasn't like something to be us. We were machines. We were just reacting via some sort of, uh, you know, meat and bone substrates and, and software. And, but we didn't have any conscious experience. It's not like something to be us, right? Going on Nagel's definition of consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. What would we do differently? I don't think we do. I have no idea, and I have no idea. And, and, and you, this this goes back to um, the hard problem of consciousness. Like, if we look at all creatures in the world, we 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 we, we know that a lot of them are sentient, and they have some sort of uh, um, understanding of of what's going on. But the the hard problem of consciousness which I don't think it's a hard problem. I think it's an impossible problem to solve, but yet it's a very good question to ask. Why do we need consciousness? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why is it like something to be you? What does it change? Why, why is it like, like to be a staff? Why is it like to be Evie? Yeah. If you look again, like we are very different from all the other animals because we have a really uh, um, unified whole 
sense of who we are, like, and we can articulate and we can express ourselves unlike other animals. Why is that? It's not necessary. Most of the other animals in, in, on this planet, they do just fine without this level of consciousness. They do just fine. I think, I think they do a lot better than us. They don't care about all the, all, all the stuff that worries us, like what, what philosophers call the human condition. The human condition is inherent suffering due to being conscious, okay? <laughs> they don't have all that. I think we might have run into this before on Twitter as well. Like, I don't think that a, a, a bunny, I have rabbits. I don't think it, it's, I don't think that the, the bunny's consciousness is less conscious than mine. No, it's not less, but I think they do a lot better, um, they do a lot better uh, suffering wise. They don't have all, like, I don't believe that a bunny has um, has all the levels and uh, um, all the levels of uh, of suffering that a human can have, because they have a different set of consciousness. Well, like a bunny has the experience of being a bunny. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's like something to be that that creature. It's like something to be that. Yeah. We have to understand, and, and this is, and this is again. Uh, uh, now I'll bring us back to pain. Okay, how the IASP, the IASP uh, defines pain as an unpleasant experience. What is an experience? Okay, we have to ask what is an experience. Experience is basically anything that happens to you, to me. And now I will ask, but who, who is this you? Who is this you that, that is experiencing like this three-dimensional body, uh, um, multi-sensory, uh, with like a multi-sensory film with, with sounds and, and textures and feels and, uh, uh, um, and uh, interoception and who is this you that is experiencing that? So now, this is this is what uh, psychologists call the mind like the stream of the, this movie that runs in front of our eyes is the mind okay and everything that happens to the mind is experienced so people when i talk about it a lot of people ask but how uh, like uh, so why why do you say that pain is a sensation because all of our sensations are experienced yeah. by this stream of consciousness, this mind is experiencing it. Okay. Um, now people say, okay, so this is like people will say, oh, okay, so this is the perception. I say, no, <laughs> this is not a perception because we have to remember that this box is superimposed on other systems that came way before it. Okay, this, those systems are hardwired for certain sensations like we have like noxious heat noxious cold and once this system is activated nobody knows how the brain organizes it all into this recognition that there that we are experiencing a noxious sensation but nobody can dispute the existence of nociceptors this is like a physiological fact if you deny nociception i don't know if you can go on being a pain scientist at all Okay, so we have this built-in uh, hardwired nociceptive apparatus. It's not a hardwired nervous system, but it is a hardwired nociceptive apparatus, which 
its activation is designed to uh, to penetrate whatever states of consciousness that we are having, and it's that it's designed like that because it predated this box. So that's why pain is first and foremost a sensation, I not a perception. Okay, like. It would be very strange to say someone, oh, like now what you think is just a perception of it. It's, it's like I almost see it as gaslighting the person. <laughs> like, oh, I, I think like for, for me, I'm kind of thinking if you think if you think that pain is a perception, then you must also think that touch is a perception and hearing is a perception and taste is a perception, if you want to call it that. Yes, you have these receptors in your like physical apparatus. You have stuff there that is meant to pick up on these things from your external environment or internal environment and really that relay that message to your brain. And then something happens and you have the experience of something. Now you can call that a sensation or a perception if you want, but if you think that pain is a perception, then I don't see why you wouldn't think that hearing is a perception rather than a sensation you know what i mean yeah people always uh people people make a lot of confusion in this area they say oh but you have all those uh they always like they always give us uh as an example oh you got the vi visual illusions for example like you're perceiving something that no 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 what you have for example if you look at a dali painting okay there is a painting over there. You have a sensation imprinted on your retina. What you see in there, what you, like you can see, like, I don't know, like a figure or like a, an animal. This is your perception, but there's still first and foremost an imprinted real actual sensation of a painting of color on a canvas. Yeah. You can't deny that. Yeah. It's there. Okay. So what like you cannot, you cannot unsee a Dali painting. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. You cannot unsee it. It's there. What you see in it, like what you're, what you're perceiving in it, is a matter of cognition. It's not a matter of sensation. So that's we have hardwired system. You cannot. It's like a fact. You cannot deny that. Like like if I touch you. Well, yeah, some people will be some will be smarter as an under and say, no, well, sometimes you might not feel it if your attention is not there. So maybe you hear. It's being smartest. Come on, like we have, we have those sensors on our skin. We have them in our ears. In our, they're there. You cannot deny them. <laughs> do, you, do you think? Um, do you think that in the world of physiotherapy and the world of pain? management pain treatment in general do you I, I know the answer to this question but do you think that <laughs> do you think we've moved far too much towards um this idea of pain science explaining pain physiology all that kind of thing like do you think that this has been a bit of a mistake or i think we're i think we're only imagining that we moved somewhere i don't think we moved anywhere i don't think we moved anywhere since descartes like people's people always speak uh, uh, like in a derogatory way about Descartes. I think he was a genius for his time, like with his uh, set of concepts for his time, he was a genius. 
And I don't think that we moved that much further away from him. Like the only thing that changed is the story that we tell ourselves. The way we treat people with chronic pain or pain in general has not changed in four millennia. It's like, it's still like basically pharma, cannabinoids, uh, opium, morphine. It's the same stuff, nothing has changed. So we're only telling a story, a nice story to ourselves. And like uh, yesterday I was accused, uh, we have a new paper coming and I just like did a teaser on it and someone accused me that, oh, your paper is gonna take us back five, six decades. Sorry, this is bullshit. <laughs> so what if it's gonna take us five, six decades backwards? We, it's, it's not like we've been anywhere five or six decades backwards. Like. Sure, we have a lot of, uh, we, we, we have some, I can't say that we haven't uh, advanced at all. Like, like again, like, sure, we understand a lot about, a lot more about nociception, but then again, pain, we know nothing about because we cannot, we cannot study pain scientifically because it's a conscious phenomenon. It's a first person subjective experience and science is intended to be third person objective it's like the two it's like two poles of the magnet they can't they can't come together yeah and that brings us again to the hard question of consciousness yeah. like asking why is like the only the only next authority you can ask such a question is who is god right yeah. like you ask him god why did you give us consciousness but of course god is not there to answer it so it's unanswerable but it's a very good question because like if you look at nature most animals seem to do really good without our level of consciousness <laughs> i think um i was saying to you before we came on like when i was uh when i was explaining to you kind of a bit about my own how my own thinking has gone over the years you know your typical physio stuff let's manipulate joints no let's do something with trigger points no let's explain pain it's been a pretty simple journey that I think most people will will realize. And I said to you that at some point in the past few years with, with explain pain and, and all that sort of thing, um, I've started to realize that it's 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 kind of just another story that that I've been telling myself. And um, yeah. I used to tell myself a story about uh, joint positions and I don't know, alignment or whatever. And then I told myself a story about trigger points until I realized that there were some major internal inconsistencies in that story. And then I sort of found this other story that I preferred because I thought that this story of um, sensitization, uh, the brain responding to perceived threats, that really appealed to my, um, to my sense of like, this is a really good story. Like it sounds really deep, you know, like your, the, how the world around you affects your psychology and how thoughts are, you know, impulses that can affect uh, your your pain and it was just it felt like a really deep and and good story um but like you know life is actually not a story illness is not a story it doesn't have like a beginning and a middle and a satisfying ending where it's all wrapped up reality doesn't care about our our nice stories <laughs> so I, th I think that's when i started to kind of wonder what i was doing there i think i, I was I was really enamored with the story without really questioning what I was, whether it really made much sense, certainly according to my own experience. It's any comfort. I, I was there also. It's not that I was not there. I was, but, but it took me a lot of, um, took me a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of self-reflections and a lot of studying, self-studying to, to understand it differently or like to, 
just think about it in a different way. So if it's any comfort, I was there too. We were mentioned this before. I was joking saying, I just have to go off now and get a migraine med earlier before we start recording. The irony was delicious. But um, but I, I, we were saying this earlier, you say you get headaches as well. And I think... And I said it's probably due to the threat of the, the red color threatening is threatening you and you're in danger. Yeah, so... Exactly. Like I'm kind of... I, I mean, I've experienced migraine a lot now. I just... It doesn't make sense to me and it certainly doesn't add up to my experience that that the pain of migraine is an output of my brain due to a perceived threat of some kind like it's no like I, that's not what it feels like and it also doesn't really make sense that that would be the case i mentioned the, the piezo um uh, channels yeah For, yeah um, um they're starting to uh, think now that piezo is related to migraine headaches because it encodes uh, pressure okay mechanical pressure yeah. so they're, they're starting to to think like how to target uh, piezo channels in migraines, and it makes sense. It's like, and it makes sense. Now, now we, we have to go back like to why people think pain is a, a perception. I think uh, one of the key elements that people tend to think that is because uh, we've been we've been taught that you can have chronic pain without apparent ongoing damage or nociception. Well, this is not really true. We're beginning to understand now that you can have uh, uh, altered states of nociception due to neuroimmune crosstalk, okay? So this like, um, and I talk a lot about neuroinflammation and, um, and I believe that this is probably the only real gospel that we're going to get when it comes to treating chronic pain. Um, basically, um, well, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> inflammation and your inflammation and how that's going to be the closest we can get to a gospel. Yeah, um, it's like we have to, you have to realize that uh, up until 20 years ago, people, people haven't, uh, like we still, we, we haven't realized how, how, uh, uh, variable the spectrum of neuroinflammatory uh, responses can be. We felt like, okay, you've got inflammation when damage happens to the body. Okay, you can have it and, um, and it's good and it's meant to heal us. But now we know that there's a myriad of neuroinflammatory responses and uh, it, the, 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 the neuro, the, the immune system and the neuroimmune system can go vastly like all messed up and there's a lot of different dysregulations that can happen there. Now, those neuroinflammatory dysregulations can account for activation of nociceptors when there's apparently no external damage or internal damage that we can, that we can see yet. We are beginning to um, understand how to, um, um, how to image neuroinflammations for example, there's a new technique that I believe in the next decade or two will become the gold standard in uh, diagnosing uh, um, ongoing chronic diseases, which is PET-TSPO, okay? Uh, it's a PET scan, like CT scan, with uh, radioactive isotopes that uh, uh, marks the activation of glial cells in the immune system. It, 
sorry, in the nervous system, like it's the neuroimmune system, okay? Um, the, they, they felt like they, they started uh, using this technique a lot in the last decade. I think that it's going to become the gold standard in uh, diagnosing uh, fibromyalgia, uh, IBS syndromes and stuff like that. All those uh, um, uh, nociplastic syndromes. Um, I think would, would, it be, would it be fair to say that you, I mean, I, I think that the way forward is more neuroimmunology and neurobiology and less psychology. Psychology is, um, psychology is a derivative of biology, okay? Or it should be. It is. There's no other way, like we are biological, so therefore everything that goes in here is biological too. Yeah. It is. So, but the complexity is still too, too too great for us to understand. It's going to take some a few more decades. That that's why I say my my I I I, I I'm a bit cautious. But so I say like two, three, or three to four decades, we're going to start having like those uh, uh, development come come into the market and uh, being able to affect people. It's going to take it some time because. We, Come on, this is like only in the last two decades. In science, it's like yesterday. It's yeah. like, this is like science, like advances, like, uh, like, you know, it takes about a generation for scientific advancements to, to reach like the, the general public. So we're going to see probably in a generation or two, we're going to see the, the realizations of this science now only two more decades. So we have to be, um, so we, we have to be realistic about it. And then again, we have to remember that like, again, like up until 40 years ago, we, have, we haven't even realized that there is immune system uh, activity in the brain. This is only like, this was only discovered four, four decades ago. That's nothing, yeah. okay? Yeah. Like, like people thought the glia are just there for no reason. That's why you get tumors like uh, glioblastomas and stuff like that, because they're not supposed to be there. But today we know that they are an integral part of the nervous system. They're there for a reason. And like uh, also, uh, uh, I think they discovered lymph vessels only like two or two decades ago, lymph vessels in the brain. Like they thought like, oh no, there's no lymph. Uh, Come on, it's like, this is really like, if you, if you look at it from the perspective of the scientific world, this is like yesterday. Yeah, It's yeah. like really new. It's, it's really new stuff. We're only beginning to, to realize this. And, uh, and, and it makes sense because it was there, like I said, evolutionary, it was there before the brain. It was there, the brain came afterwards to serve those systems, not the other way around. Yeah. So it makes, it makes sense that any uh, failure of those systems on this level will will get to the you know to the awareness level of the organism of the, of the conscious organism. Oh my gosh, Asaf, I've just had this thought. Have you ever heard this um, this thing of how there's four times as many bacterial cells walking around in your body as there are human cells? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's all to serve the bacteria. <laughs> We're just. Yeah. We are we are organisms. Okay, like um, we were granted this free will by evolution. And I think it was a fluke. I think it's, a, it's, it's an epiphenomenon. As I said, I don't think that we really need this level of consciousness. 
in a way, I think it also it kind of hinders us. People will say, people will say, like, people will counter argue, like, they will say, oh, but look at what humanity accomplished. And I say, by the way it looks, we're going to this level of consciousness is going to destroy itself. So <laughs> it's it's not even necessary. You know, we're, we're destroying ourselves. We're polluting the planet. So this level of consciousness is probably not needed for an organism to 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 go by. We could have we could have stopped at bony level, and uh... yeah. So so that's why I say like this conscious experience of pain has no meaning other than the meaning that you uh, uh, cognitively ascribe it. You know, it doesn't it doesn't this it's is... not there for anything. It's just there for it's like it's just there because. Just yeah, I think this is I think this is one of the reasons for the really strong appeal of um you know uh, the explain pain type of type of thing is that it it actually does give it meaning as such if you have ongoing pain you can you can tell yourself a story that makes sense as to why it's there and what you can do about it and I wonder if that's really the main appeal of that that whole way of looking at things this idea that the brain decides and, and it's just very appealing from a meaning point of view you know so it is um but then again doesn't mean it's true it, it doesn't mean it's true and uh you know like stories can comfort and they can i can appreciate okay some people might find benefit in like having a good story and a good comforting story okay yeah. i can i can appreciate it but then again uh, i don't think the majority of people uh, we'll like to, if like if you uh, uh, that, by the way this is like uh, I don't know if you saw our latest study about PNE. No, no? I, I probably did come across it, but I can't. It was published about two weeks ago. Um, I thought like okay, like um, people like all I see is like how beneficial PNE is and stuff like that. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we took it like we took it upon ourselves to say uh, to, to to like we said oh let's. Let's test this hypothesis. If we like, if we just present people like random people uh, on the internet, and also not really random people, also people with uh, persistent pain states, if we present them like the the truths that I call of PNE and explain pain, what they think about it, and the majority did not like it. <laughs> okay, the majority did not like those uh, truth statements. Like pain is a, a, an opinion of the brain. Now, we published the first part and we are uh, working on the second part uh, where we uh, analyzed free text responses. We had close to 14,000 free text responses of people, okay? We're analyzing uh, the results with uh, machine learning algorithms to, um, and we created some synthetic narratives like what, what, what the algorithm does, it, um, it takes all the all the text that like we categorized people who reacted negatively, people reacted neutrally, and people reacted positively to the PNE statements. And the computer takes uh, all the texts of all the people who answered negatively, and he creates a synthetic narrative. Wow! Like, yeah, he, he uh, maps all the words and he gives them vectors and stuff like that, and uh, calculates the vectors. <laughs> I, I was mind blown when I saw that. Like, That's very cool. I was like, it's really mind blowing. Like, 
uh, one of the first things that I look at is like pain is a sensation. <laughs> it's right there. Like the computer did it. I didn't do it. It's amazing. I, I, I'm really looking forward to publishing this. It's, uh, it's really crazy. It's like, uh, you, you like, because you get like a statement and then you see what, what the computer synthesized for all the people who didn't like this statement. And like, what are you saying? Like the brain does this now, pain is a sensation. It's, like, it's the, we did it like, it's quite amazing. I was mind blown when I saw those uh, synthetic narratives. I was like, oh my God. Like, I'll have a chat after that comes out actually. When's it coming right. out? So, so again, like some people, it's, for some people it might be okay, but then again, it's, um, I don't know. At the end of, the, of that paper, I, I, we wrote that uh, healthcare practitioners are ethically obliged for the most truthful story they can find, okay? It's like, if we have a good explanatory theory, we are, um, we are obliged to convey that to the patient. I, those stories, those PME stories and explain pain stories, I, I don't think that there's nothing cheerful about them. It's a lot of wishful thinking and what I call metaphysical conjectures. It's like assertions about how reality and physiology works. It's not, it's not really science. It's not really how stuff works. It's like, it's like a meta metaphysical perspective on how things are. But it's not a truth. Um, okay. What What do you think? Put it this way: What do you think would be better for the field than PNE? What do you think we should be doing instead of PNE? Right, okay. People ask me, okay, so what do you do? Um, I'll give you a, a really, really simple question. A person comes in today with persistent pain. And he asks me, why do I have this? I will tell him, I don't know why you have this, but I think what's more important is what we can we is that we know what we can do about it. We we can try to help. And I think that's more important than why you have it, because why I I I, I like I'm I'm Jewish and like you know uh, in in, uh, in Judaism, I don't know if you um, if you are aware of it, but people who uh, who are secular and uh, they uh, they and they want to go back to religion and you know become orthodox and stuff like that. Uh, and this uh, they call this process uh, the direct tra translation of this process of becoming orthodox is called coming back to the answer. Why is, why is it called coming back to the answer? Because if you believe in God, you always have an answer for everything. Why uh, do I have this? Because God wanted it like that. There's always an answer for that, okay? <laughs> so, but, but why, why I'm in pain is not a good question for me to answer. I cannot, I cannot answer this question. And I, no one will ever be able to answer this question. Oh. But we will know what to do with it. And we sort of know what to do it with what to do with those pain states now. For example, fibromyalgia. Yeah, we know they should start exercising slow, uh, like gradually. Sure, it's not going to heal them, but it might actually get them better. Uh, so I don't care. I don't care about explaining to, and I don't think people 
are interested in hearing it if you tell them that you probably know what to do, <laughs> okay? And, and, and well, physical, I, I love promoting physical activity. Of course, yeah, it's not, it's not always the best thing that we have, but it's currently the best. <laughs> I think that's something that I say often in, in clinic is everything that you already know is good for you is going to be good for your pain. So like, you know, well, eating pretty well, moving on. Yeah, yeah, like people ask me, what's what sort of, sort of exercise I should do? I tell them, whatever you're going to keep on doing. <laughs> you, and and you got to do something that you love because then you're going to keep on doing it. That's, the best, that's the best activity for you. <laughs> Stuff that you're going to... If something works, right? Let's say quote unquote works. Things that work for pain be that a, a medication or a therapeutic approach or whatever, things that work for pain. I'm starting to think that the mechanism underlying why something works is that it does something with inflammation. E either like inflammation that you can see on, you know, CRPs or like obvious inflammation or this kind of low level systemic inflammation type of idea that seems to be more and more popular down through the years. Are you on the same page as me there? Are we sort of agreed there? What do you think? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I tend to think that neuro, neuroinflammation and systemic inflammation and this, uh, immune system dysregulations are probably um, um, like are probably present in almost any uh, human uh, human state of um, of disease and health. Okay. <laughs> it's it's there it's like um like uh, i think we talked about it before we started recording that um that people say to me oh that's a very reductionist uh, view to uh pain that you only think about the immune system and i say the immune system is reductive it's like the most holistic most amazing system i've ever i've ever been aware of it can heal us and it can kill us <laughs> okay it can, for example like right now like uh, um, in uh, covid people died from cytokine storm what is a cytokine storm it's an immune system dysregulation like the immune system just blows off and in a, in a disproportionate uh, um, uh, reaction to the to the invader and it kills the person now that is very reductive reduces you to rubble <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but when it heals us, it can can get any more holistic than that. And of course, you have to remember. But I, I think if people are saying reductive, because I've I've um, kind of wondered about this before. I was talking to Ronnie Lilanium, this philosopher who's with the Cause Health uh, Project. Oh, I love her. I think she's great. Amazing. <laughs> oh, she's my hero. And I'm talking about causation and, and that kind of thing. But anyway, after chatting to her, I started thinking about these things and came to the alarming conclusion that I might be a reductionist. But she said, she told me it's fine. There's a very wide range of views can be fit into can be fit into a reductionist label. So I thought, okay, that's that's fine. Yeah, the way the way I see reductionism reductionism is more of thinking that most of the stuff works from the bottom to from the small to the large and but the immune system also works from the large to the small okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna say to you what i said very uh, mumbly and inarticulately to rani as well she i was trying to explain to her like that 
my thoughts on reductionism and the bottom layer of things like the actual root cause of things compared to you know and I was saying to her that <clears throat> I think that the level under the bottom is the top meaning that <laughs> meaning that like yeah your environment and your 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 social context and all that yes it does it does affect it but it's because it affects the bottom layer of what's the start of a pain experience so it's affecting your neuroimmune system or, or what have you I, yeah. no please don't i don't know what i'm saying here but that's no, this is another this is another aspect that um, um I've been, i'm working on we know like there are red a lot of red models and animal models where they where they uh, tamper with the epigenetic, epigenetic switches and they see the neuroinflammation goes on. So we have good models that tells us how this stuff works. And, and it's, not, it's, it's models that have been, you know, like reproduced and uh, re replicated many times. It's like, we know this stuff has to do with epigenetics. It's not just a buzzword in this case, yeah. okay? Yeah. It's yeah. like epigenetic methylation uh, switches and stuff like that. It's very complicated. I, I really understand it in a, on a meta level. I don't really understand all the okay. all the little small, uh, like all the molecular stuff, how it really goes on there. I'm not an expert in that, but I, can, I understand it on a meta level, mm. what, yeah. what it is, Thank because you. It's it's a it's basic science now, and so many models are just like re replicating this sort of uh, ideas all the time. It's it keeps popping back over and over and over again, and they get, they've got so many so many uh, model models of uh, animal models of CRPS of fibromyalgia of uh, IBS, whatever you can imagine. Like they, and I, I believe that within the next two, three, four, five decades, we're going to understand how this stuff works in humans. Yeah, this I asked you this as well before um, before we started recording, like um, to explain to me what you think the end game is. Like, where should all of this be heading? Like, what's the end game for uh, <laughs> treatment? Or if, if it's not explaining and, and helping people understand, if it's not this idea of, right, with Explain Pain, as far as I can understand, the idea has been if we can help people to understand their pain in a different way, this will have some kind of positive outcome for them. Maybe that's not the case. If it isn't, what actually is? What should we be concentrating? Where should we be steering our focus? If not... Uh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, um, Question. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're coming to my uh, doomsday prophecy. I do the prophecy is that within five decades, physiotherapists are not going to treat persistent pain states anymore. I really, we, I, don't, I think it's going to happen. It's like we've got nothing to offer for these people here. I really like, like, I can help someone with fibromyalgia, but I can't cure him. I think that science will actually be able to cure those problems. Will be able to read people. The understanding of the basic science with a better understanding of the neuroimmunology yeah. and so on. We will be able to, to, to alleviate chronic pain states in some people. And uh, the, the, the longer, like the, the longer time goes by, we'll be able to do more and more of these states. I think fibromyalgia is probably going to be one of the first uh, persistent pain states that will be cured. Um, yeah, yeah, I think they're beginning to understand the, uh, like, 
the, I think they're starting to like the, the basic scientists are starting to realize what's going on there on, uh, uh, on the neuroinflammatory level. Again, it's not, it's not gonna happen tomorrow, not in 10 years, not in 20 years, 30 years, maybe. So the end game is in the meantime, <laughs> let's not sell BS to patients. <laughs> I think, I think it can be, hmm? what? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, like, it's like fairy tales, really. It's just a good story. It's like, it's nothing different from like good mytho Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just stories. It's not science. It's not science because like, again, as I said, science is not going to be able to to tell us why we are in pain. No, why? Because we're conscious and it sucks. <laughs> That's why. Okay. There's, there's no um there's no like greater meaning or or end, you know, or like I say, it's there's not a beginning and a middle and, a, and an end of suffering. It's not a story that can be explained with this uh no, it's not. It's, it really isn't. And uh, it's the sad truth, and a lot of people don't want the sad truth, people want like a good comforting lie. That's what people want. And um, if you, um, personal question for you. If you, you've told me before you had um, headaches and the same as me. And if, uh, if there was a really good, let's say lie, right? It wasn't true, but if you believed it, your headaches would disappear. Would you want to believe the lie or would you prefer to have the truth? <sighs> hypothetical but then again um, like I said like I was there I was like I was in the explained pain boat and I I really bought into that science and has it affected my headaches not one bit but if though but 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 no 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 now you're bringing out the question okay this is this is you know in the matrix when they ask uh, if you'd want right. to know whether the stake was real or not it's basically that question isn't it would you is it is it better to believe something that's not true if it helps you to feel better oh you mean like the red pill or the blue pill okay not not even the red pill the blue pill that's too much it's more that scene where he's uh where he's eating the steak and he's okay. like you know uh, i know i know it's so, not real but yeah would you I don't know the, i don't know my own self but uh, it's interesting to think about I don't know, like there's uh, this, uh, there's this, this study by Daniel Kahneman where they asked people um, if, you, if you had an opportunity to go on the best vacation of your life, knowing that at the end of the vacation, you will not remember one thing from it, will you still go? And a lot of people answered, yes, they will. And a lot of people answered, no. And I, I, I don't remember what exactly they, they tried to characterize the, yeah. like those who answered yes and those who answered no. It's, it's, and, it's, uh, it's the, the difference between the experiencing self and the remembering self. Yeah, the, 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 oh, you, you reminded me. Yeah, the, they, they say some people are more um, uh, experience-oriented. Yeah. Like they, 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 they're there for the experience, for the ride. I don't remember, I don't care. Some people are there for the, um, for the ability to, uh, to rationalize the experience. Okay? You know, like, 
I think the best example of this ever is parenthood. <laughs> so the experiencing self is not having a great time with those nappies and the crying and the, you know, tedium. But the remembering self is giving the experience of being a parent. Yeah. Great well, meeting. And yeah. when they leave the house, my kids are still really small, but when they leave the house, like people are like, oh, I feel so alone. But then like during the experience, they're like, ah, oh, those kids are nine. <laughs> How old are yours? Um, I've got uh, one six and uh, the, the, the big one is, um, is uh, eight. Yeah, mine are seven and, uh, seven and five, just gone seven and five. I posted something, I think it was a couple of years, maybe it was last year or the year before, about my, my daughter when she was six. She, uh, she had put something into a pot plant, I think. She'd done something bold, put some, yeah, damaged a pot plant in some way. And uh, by way of trying to get out of trouble, she told me that it wasn't her that did it. Her brain had told her to do it. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's when I realized I was in big trouble <laughs> with this one. On the other hand, my, my son, my son is, um, since he was four, he's been waking up in the middle of the night screaming from pain in his knees. Uh, it, it wakes him up during the night. I'm, I'm saying, like, he's asleep. What, what, what does his brain, what, what, his brain's not threatened. Come on. <laughs> he wakes up screaming and we give him uh, medications, pain medications. But, like, this is like one of those um, occurrences when you think, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why, like, why something, um, why, why, why some pain should wake someone in the middle of the night? Yeah. The brain is asleep, the brain is like, uh, you know, is resting. It's like, it doesn't make any sense, like all those explanations, like nothing about them make any sense. Hmm? That when you were a child as well? Uh, no, no, no. I used to wake with uh, leg, leg pains, yeah. I wake up with headaches. I, I wake up from the headaches. I, I start, I, I have them sometimes in the middle of the night. I wake up because yeah. of the headache. Yeah. And I hear you. Does it make any sense like for a brain to think in the middle of the night I'm threatened? Uh, and, and it doesn't make any sense because like it's also ascribing uh, a, a separate will to an organ. Okay, it's like, why? And, and then you start thinking like, why the, like, okay, if this organ really has his own mind, like the brain has a brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who's why running? Does it make, it's travels all the way down. Yeah, his decisions don't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense, you know? It's like, I don't know, like, again, those stories are, yeah. I don't know, some people, I guess they like them. I, 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 I don't know, nothing, they, they never really settled good in my head, although I, I was, I was passing them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, me too, me too. Less so recently, obviously, but, um, but yeah, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap up this conversation here. I told you at the start that we try to, because we had so much to talk about and we were both a little bit high on all the ideas that we were going to chat about. So goodness knows what this conversation has come out like. Uh, I'd say we'll probably just put it out there and we'll uh, probably chat again in a more structured, organized way. Because I'd love to talk about I think it. I think it went good. Yeah, reasonably well considering on some circumstances <laughs> um, I, didn't use, I didn't use that much uh, swear words so. i didn't swear at all i think you said bullshit once or twice but that doesn't count so that's yeah. not even... bullshit is uh it's pretty official yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and just remind people if uh, you've been listening and want to know more about yourself, just um, yeah, tell people your handle and your yeah, wherever you want people to contact you. If you want people to contact, um, I'm there on Twitter and Facebook yeah, and painlosophy.wordpress.org. <laughs> All right, okay, uh, we'll talk again soon, Austin. Okay, see you soon. Bye. Okay.